What do we have here? Yeah, here I thought we were special. Fellas, this here's Bagman. Hangman. Whatever. What the hell kind of mission is this? Everyone here is the best there is. Who the hell are they gonna get to teach us? Captain Pete Maverick Mitchell. Let me be perfectly blunt. You are not my first choice. You are here at the request of Admiral Kazansky, AKA Iceman. He seems to think that you have something left to offer the Navy. What that is, I can't imagine. With all due respect, sir, I'm not a teacher. Just want to manage expectations. What the hell? Good morning, aviators. This is your captain speaking. And we're off. Here we go. In three, two, one. We're going into combat on a level no living pilot's ever seen. Not even him. You think up there you're dead. Believe me. My dad believed in you. I'm not gonna make the same mistake. Someone's not coming back from this. Those are your pilots. Anything happens to them. You will never forgive yourself. No turning back now. Welcome to the Strange Harbors podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by Amir Dure and Derek Wong. So tonight we are finally talking about the long-delayed, long-anticipated legacy sequel to Top Gun, Top Gun Maverick. This movie was originally supposed to come out, what, 2019? And then I think they wanted to do the aerial sequences a little bit better. They wanted to put a little more effort into that. So it was delayed to 2020, which is very unfortunate because then COVID happened. And now we're in 2022. (laughs) And it's finally out. The latest Tom Cruise movie directed by Joseph Kosinski. And... I feel like this is one of the movies that like really, really benefited from actually being delayed during the pandemic. I mean, it's killing it at the box office. Tom Cruise's first and only $100 million plus opener, which is That's kind of insane. crazy to believe, right? Yeah. yeah is wow. that really? Yeah. I guess nothing else has opened at that level. But this is like MCU level numbers too. Yeah. But Yeah. I saw this, I think, maybe two, three weeks ago. Uh, what about you guys? When did you guys see this? I just saw it uh, last night. Last night? Okay. I saw it on Friday. Nice. Okay. So a couple days ago. IMAX or no? No. No, no I didn't go IMAX. I saw it in a Dolby theater, which is kind Ooh. of like a fake IMAX, Limax. <laughs> <laughs> it's got good sound. Yeah, good sound. Pretty big screen, bigger than usual, but still not IMAX. I still want to go back and see it in IMAX. 
I'm going with my wife again on Saturday. She hasn't seen it yet. She's actually excited for this one. Is she? So, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like she wasn't even alive when it came out. Like, the first one, I mean. She definitely was not alive when the first the one first came out. The first one's an old movie. What is the first one? 86 or 85? 86? Yeah, 86. The year we were born. An old movie, yeah. I mean, technically, I wasn't born when this movie came out. Oh, are you 87? <laughs> I'm 86, but later that year, so. Oh, uh, okay. Um, I guess technically me neither. I'm also born later <laughs> the year. <laughs> I'm the only one that was the alive. The top guy is Jeffrey Zhang. <laughs> this is actually Jeff's first movie ever. His parents took yeah, him to the <laughs> Explains his lifelong obsession with Tom Cruise. Well, I mean, we should talk a little bit about Tom Cruise, a little bit about Joseph Kosinski. Tom Cruise, one of the last bonafide movie stars we have left. Single-handedly saving cinema, I feel. With this and the Mission Impossible movies, just no one's really doing it like him anymore. One of the last analog movie stars we have left. Practical stunts, practical effects. I mean, this movie is just, the proof is in the pudding, right? Real actors, real planes, doing it the right way. Balls to the walls, stunt filmmaking. Minimal CGI. Yeah, it's good stuff. Favorite Tom Cruise movie. Wow. (laughs) Coming out the gate swinging. Yeah, I did not anticipate that question actually i'm probably gonna have to say i'm a big edge of tomorrow fan edge of tomorrow really out of everything i like edge of tomorrow i like edge of tomorrow too that's an interesting choice i would not have Mm -hmm. thought about that one but yeah i mean his drama stuff's good and like you know great as ethan hunt but i love that it's like everyday guy can't really do shit like you know what i mean he's like almost like a slub in that movie right he's not really good at anything I love that he has to kind of learn along the way. He's more than a schlub. He's kind of like a dickhead in that movie, right? Like he's yeah. like starting out, he's like a sort of a slime ball, right? Yeah. He is really good in that. Any interview with the vampire fans? It's not my favorite Tom Cruise movie, but it's, it's, it's a good one. So I, I, I do like that movie. I love Interview with the Vampire. Isn't it great? Yeah, great movie. Hmm. There's Rain Man, Risky Business. PTA, Magnolia. Yeah. Holy shit, there's Jerry Maguire. Mm-hmm. Minority Report, Last Samurai. Dude, he's got a bunch of bangers. He's so good in War of the Worlds, too. Underrated Cruise and underrated Spielberg, War of the Worlds. I actually don't think I saw it because I think I was annoyed by the Dakota Fanning of it all at the time. (laughs) She's not that precocious in that movie. Yeah? Yeah, she's fine in that movie. I thought she was like more alien than the aliens or something. (laughs) No, no, no. I'm not going to see that. Okay. Not at all. Got to go back and see that then. Great movie. You know what? I'm going to say, oh, I think I have to go with the Mission Impossible movies. Those are the ones that have made the most impression on me. Like in the last, I don't know, decade is when I really go, holy shit. And maybe it's just because he's the last man standing now. But you go, yeah. holy shit, Top Cruise is just killing it. So it's got to be one of the later Mission Impossibles. Probably uh, Rogue Nation. I'm going to go with Rogue Nation. Rogue Nation. Nation. Do you I like Rogue, Rogue Nation, Nation more than Fallout? I think so. Really? Okay. I, I think so. I don't know though, actually. Because Fallout does have that Henry Cavill fight scene, which is pretty yeah. awesome. Henry Cavill's fun in that. I don't know. I, I, I do like... They're all up there. All of them are up there. They're all fun. Yeah. There isn't a single bad Mission Impossible movie. Not even two. I have wow. a soft spot for two. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that, I'll, I'll let you get away with it. That's fine. I think I, 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 think I agree with it. I'll let you get away with that. I mean, for the knife stunt alone, right? Yeah. That knife stunt is crazy. Like, using a real knife to, like, do the stunt where it, like, almost goes into his eye... Why do that for real? Unless you're like a lunatic, right? So what he did was like, he attached this cable to the knife 
which was measured exactly to how far away he wanted it to be from his eye. And then he told Dugray Scott to jam it down into his face as hard as he could. <laughs> Holy shit. The cable stops the knife a millimeter away from his eye. It's fucking insane. Like, why would you do that? It's lunatic. Yeah. But that movie is like such an encapsulation of like early 2000s action movies. John Woo, dueling motorcycles, the slow motion doves, all that stuff. It's cool. It's a fun ass movie. That movie changed the trajectory of Hugh Jackman's career, didn't it? It did. It did. <laughs> Wait, what? How? Yeah, because Dugray Scott was going to play Wolverine. Mm-hmm. And then Mission Impossible 2 oh, went yeah, over. Oh, yeah, that's right. And he had to drop out. Holy shit. And then they had to look for somebody else. That's crazy. Wow. For that alone, I got to give Mission Impossible 2 some credit. That's a great <laughs> that's a great change. What a weird alternate universe we're in where Doug Gray Scott is. Just because Hugh Jackman does just such a good job with it. All the Mission Impossibles are good. But I'm going to go with the best Tom Cruise performance as my favorite Tom Cruise performance. It's got to be Collateral. Ooh. Collateral so fucking good. One of my favorite Michael Mann movies. Like, one of my favorite movies, like, period. It's I so fucking good. I forgot about fucking Collateral completely. Oh, yeah. Ooh. He's so good. Playing the villain. Yeah. Yeah, him and Jamie Foxx. Yeah. God, he, I like this he one. He kills it. Yeah, he kills it in that movie. I do like that one quite a lot. It's on uh, HBO Max right now, I think. All right, that's got to get a rewatch. That's... Damn, collateral. Good choice. I like that. <laughs> I've always had a soft spot for Top Gun. I like that movie. But then revisiting it, it's not that good, actually. <laughs> I don't know what you guys have I didn't rewatch it, so about. it's been years now. I was going to say, I, I kind of agree with that. I, I think I watched it like a year ago, maybe? Maybe? Like sometime during yeah, the pandemic. I watched it like six, eight months ago, I think. Real rose-tinted lenses on that one, I think. I think people really... Okay, but isn't it like in like the Library of Congress or something like that? Like, it's like... Aha, uh-huh, yeah. It's in the Library of Congress, selected for preservation in the National Film Registry by the Library of Congress. I mean, it has the cultural cachet, right? Like, it's a revered movie. That doesn't necessarily mean it's, it's the best good. movie. That's fair. So what accounts for that difference? Like, why did it make such a splash when maybe it's actually not that good? Like, what was... I don't know. I think... People really like the soundtrack, uh, Kenny Loggins' Danger Zones and that, you know? I mean, it's in the new one, too, but I don't know, like, the macho posturing of the 80s is on full display there. <laughs> I don't know. And the dogfights were filmed in a very creative way, and it did look good for the time. So I'm sure people loved that. All right, I, I got it here. It's a Roger Ebert review, two and a half out of four. Movies like <laughs> Top Gun are hard to review because the good parts are so good and the bad parts are so relentless. The dogfights are absolutely the best since Clint Eastwood's electrifying aerial stunts in Firefox. But look out for the scenes where the people talk to one another. <laughs> so I think that's like a famous review too. Yeah, I, I think I think I, he I don't disagree with it. Absolutely <laughs> nails it there. It's a fifty-six on Rotten Tomatoes. It's a fifty out of a hundred on Metacritic. You're right there. It's like it's just critically not that well regarded, but the cultural the splash it made is just it's just huge. People love this thing. And speaking of Tom Cruise as like a slime ball and like an unlikable protagonist, that's like the definition of Pete Mitchell in the first Top Gun, right? Like, watch that thing again, and he's such a dick in that movie. <laughs> like, watching it when you're a kid, you're like, oh, Iceman's like the antagonist or whatever, and like, he's the one that you're supposed to be rooting against. But like, watching it now, Iceman's like the sensible one in that movie. Yeah. 
But that's a very 80s thing too, right? The rogue cop or the rogue whoever who's got a stuffy superior. I don't know. In movies, at least, it's an age of rebellion. I don't know why, but just everybody was a rogue agent whose boss or whose colleagues were trying to keep them down somehow. But even the acts of rebellion in this are like, in the original at least, are like pointless. Like you're antagonizing these nameless, presumably they're Russian, because like the, the planes that they fly are MiGs, right? So these nameless Russians, like, you're flying upside down and you flip them off during, like, a training exercise. I don't know. Iceman's like, you're dangerous and reckless. And Tom Cruise is like, I am dangerous and reckless, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I just think it's, like, it's funny how, how much of a dick he is in that movie. And, like, all the stunts that he pulled, he puts all his corpsmen in danger and stuff. He puts their lives in danger for, like, no fucking reason other than to, like, measure dick. I mean, so I don't know any Top Gun graduates or, like, I don't know, elite naval aviators. Right, so pick right, with a grain of salt. But, like, I like that. Like, it gives me the impression that that's kind of what these guys would be like. Like, I don't know. If you're a supremely talented fighter pilot, aren't you going to be an and, – and, like, you know, he's in his 20s. He's, like, you're going to be an arrogant, reckless dickhead. You know what, though? I think this new one portrays that much better than the old one. Right? Because Pete Mitchell is a caricature in the original Top Gun. Where, Interesting. Where in the new one, it's a little more realistic. You know, you've got, like, a Glenn Powell's uh, hangman. They're all still measuring dicks, but I think it's a little more palatable in, in the new one. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Top Gun, not quite as good as you would remember, I guess. <laughs> but the new one, I really do like the new one. Do you guys have any experience with Joseph Kaczynski, the director? I was going to say, I've seen most of his movies. I've seen Tron Legacy. I've seen Oblivion. I've not seen Only the Brave. Only the Brave is probably his best one. Yeah, I hear it's actually pretty good. It's good. It's I, good. They're all probably good. They say his movies out, have gotten better and better and better like since. Mm-hmm. Which, so I have to go back and check them out because I don't know anything about him. I wasn't like blown away by the direction either. Where I was like, oh, wow, who is this? I was more like, yeah. I got to look up who this is because I don't know who directed this movie. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. All of his movies are pretty flawed, I think, but, like, he takes big swings with the storytelling and especially, like, the craft and the visuals of these movies where not too many people are doing it like Joseph Kaczynski. I I really admire him and his filmmaking. And all of his movies are, like, ambitious. There are things I love about Tron Legacy, a lot of things I like about Oblivion, a couple of things I don't, but Only the Brave is great. And now we got Top Gun Maverick, which... I had a blast watching. It was a lot of fun. Is only the Braves better than Top Gun still? Or is Top Gun better than... Uh, I think Top Gun's better than only the Braves. Okay, so it's gotten better and better then. Jeff, it sounds like you've given your basic thoughts of Top Gun Maverick. Is there anything else you want to go into before, I guess, me and Amir give our impressions? No, go ahead. Well, Amir, what did you think of the movie? Uh, I gotta agree with Jeff. I had a blast watching this movie. I wasn't super anticipating it. Like, I liked the first Top Gun, but I wasn't like... Oh, I'm frothing at the mouth, salivating for yet another sequel playing on my fucking nostalgia. Like, I, I wasn't Legacy really, sequel, yeah. yeah, I was not really excited about this, to be completely honest. You've been saying that in our episodes. You're like, oh, you guys are really excited for Top Gun Maverick. I was Maverick. surprised I'm that like, everybody yeah. I was like, this is another stupid, like, legacy sequel. They're pulling up to just play on your nostalgia. Don't fall for it. Well, I fell for it. Yeah. <laughs> this was really, it is actually probably the most fun I've had in a movie theater this year. Yeah. I, I yeah. It, it was a blast. It was a lot, a lot of fun. Not completely flawless, but I mean. No, I think there's some hyperbole around this in the same boat as Everything Everywhere All at Once, where people are like, oh, this is like the perfect movie. It's incredible. 
I don't think it's quite the masterpiece people are touting it to be, but I did love it. I had a great time with it. What do you think, Derek? All right, I'm gonna start off what I thought with some fist bumps, some <laughs> high fives, I'm gonna send off some planes off of a, <laughs> a carrier ship uh, because that's how all of our reviews should start now. Uh, but I actually do want to start off with just like some of my grievances, but also it's kind of like what Amir's talking about, bottled up anxiousness for this movie. Uh, I have the same thoughts as Amir. I was very worried that this is just another like sequel to a 20 slash 30 year old movie that is probably not going to be very good. I was very worried about that. Uh, I was also just worried that this movie shouldn't work, right? It's a movie about people going in planes and trying to shoot each other down. Like that doesn't happen. Like, right? Like, we don't... We don't do that anymore. I, it's yeah, an obsolete... Wrong, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like an obsolete branch of the military now, yeah. right? Um, but and, they kind of lampshade uh, on that. Yeah, movie, they, so. they kind of, like, try to their best to justify it. I don't know but, if it's an obsolete branch. I think that's kind of a, a lot to say. I don't know. Obsolete since when? I mean, we were just at war in multiple theaters in the Middle East, and, like, now there's this whole Ukraine war. Like, I don't know, like... I mean, are you just saying the U.S. Air Force or the Air Forces in general? Like, Are we actually like, sending planes to, like, fight other planes, right? Okay, we're not right now, but people do. Like, it's not like it's a thing that doesn't happen anymore. Mm -hmm. Well, I feel like, especially for the U.S. military, you're just sitting in an office with a joystick and <laughs> blowing civilians <laughs> up. <laughs> I feel like that's where the, the technology is going and where it's gone right so maybe it's not heading the direction but like i don't think that we're at a place where air forces are irrelevant or where um manned aircraft are irrelevant yeah i don't think we're quite there yet but we're approaching that i feel yeah i mean i, I, could, I could see why people would think it's like the way for the future or whatever for sure i, I, I get that mm -hmm. but you know having said all that having my reservations for this film i also do really really love this movie i had a lot of fun uh, with this movie, I, I probably wouldn't say that it, it was the most fun I've had in the theater. I, I still reserve that for another particular movie we've already mentioned. But <laughs> I was surprised that I think this movie is like a blast of nostalgia. And I thought it would be overbearing. Uh, but it wasn't. It, I think it all kind of works. I think um, having seen it within the last year helped, you know, kind of remind me of some of the things that they're trying to call back and. I'm trying to put myself in, like, the place of someone who's maybe never seen Top Gun. And, like, would it work also? And I think it would. I think it sets up the pieces that you need, especially with the Rooster character. And the Jennifer Connelly character is not even actually a character from the original, but it sets it up as though it's something like... She's mentioned in the original, but yeah. she's not a character in she's it. She's not yeah. a character. So it's, like, it's set up like a callback, but it's not really... Mm -hmm. um, so I think it all works. And I think for my money, this is like the most Tom Cruise has had to do in a movie in such a long time as a character piece, I guess. Maybe not necessarily like action. I think action wise, like he's probably still more like lifting a lot of the weight in like the Mission Impossible movies. But yeah, yeah, yeah. as like a character is like him actually having to do some drama. Yeah, he's got some great character beats. In yeah, this. I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah, I, I, I think agree. this is, is so much more than like we've seen in the last 10 maybe 15 years and like i want to get into this but i think this is like a template for where his career might be going in the future so i'd like to back to like that. more dramatic roles mm -hmm. yeah, yeah yeah okay overall i think we all really like this movie i think um it's something that i can safely say for all of us that it should be seen in theaters like i think this is a great theater experience and like tom cruise before the movie began thanking me for being in the theater uh 
you know, go watch in a theater. Right? Man, I didn't get that. Damn. Well, I was at a press screening, so I didn't have any of those things. Maybe I'll get it on Saturday when I go. See yeah, I should. think you will. You will. Yeah, yeah you yeah. should. Having Tom Cruise sit there because there's a lady in my screening was like, I think Tom Cruise was talking to me. <laughs> God, huge difference between Tom Cruise telling you to enjoy the movie theater than fucking Matt Damon shilling crypto. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. Goofus and fucking Gallant over here. <laughs> yeah, the thing with this movie is that it made me realize how much Scientology and military propaganda I'm willing to forgive if the movie's good. <laughs> but people are like, hmm, what about Tom Cruise? He's a bad person. He's a Scientologist. Yeah, who, gives a shit, who gives a shit, man? He's one of the last bona fide movie stars we've got left. I'm aware of his issues and like his whole Scientology shtick. I'm aware that this is basically a recruitment video for the Navy and the Air Force or whatever. But even here, like, I don't think it's as jingoistic as people are saying it is. Well, they were very careful, again, not to have an actual state be the enemy. You're right, mm-hmm. right. Right. They were very careful to just, like, it's generic faceless enemies because that's not really what this is about. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, like, just to give a little spoiler warning, I think it's probably, I mean, we've given our first impressions. I think we're safe to get into, like, more of the nitty gritty and, like, more of the spoilery things that sure. uh, we liked or didn't like about this movie. So I just feel like you can't one. even spoil this movie. <laughs> <laughs> you can spoil the movie, I mean, of course, yeah. but like, I feel like the story in this isn't as important as the spectacle and the character work. Yes, in it. agreed. Because a lot of people are complaining, it's like, oh, this movie's so predictable. Like, I called every single character beat that was going to happen, every emotional beat. I mean, I did too, right? Like, the rooster maverick reconciliation is like one of the most obvious things that you could ever have in a movie, right? Like that's yeah. telegraphed from like the beginning of this movie all the way to the end and ends exactly the way you think it's going to end. But that's fine. But also exactly the way you want it to end, right? Like, yeah, did you, exactly, exactly. Right. Did right, you right, want right. that movie to end with rooster being like, "Fuck you, you killed my dad, asshole"? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Come on, right, right, man. Right, right. No one wants like, to see F that. You, shit. I still hate yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Like, nobody wants to see that. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Just Tom Cruise crashes into any territory and Richard's like, good, serves you right, dickhead. And just flies mm-hmm. away. Like, come on. Yeah, but like the pacing of this movie is so good. Like the peaks and valleys are like in the exact right places. And just like the aerial sequences are so good. Minor disagreement about the pacing. I thought – Oh, I yeah? See, okay. I, I see why they did it, but I thought the end sequence was just a little too long. Like the whole like – We've completed yes. the mission, and then now you come back, and then I save you, and you come back and save me, and then we got to get in the plane, and then the Hangman has to have his moment, and it's like, all right, it was a little too much. I get why you wanted to do a beat for every character. It's like they had to find a reason to get Rooster into his plane, right? Like, you had to find the reason for them to share the same plane. Like right, yes. Him and his, you like know, him and his Tom dad. Cruise exactly. and his dad yeah. did in the original yeah. movie, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. I at first had the same thought. Like, I thought we were done. Like, when, yeah, when, exactly. like, right, they like, do okay, the bombing over the mountain and they, they get away and whatever. I, thought, I was like, oh, this movie's like mission accomplished. Mm-hmm. But then to have this extended third act. Where yeah, there's another 20, like, 30 minutes more that maybe you do. I, I, at first, I was like, man, this is a choice. But in the end, I understand why they did. And I, I guess the reconciliation, I think we talked about, is stronger because of it, because they had to, like, yeah. you know, work together at the end. So. But I want to talk a little bit about the actual premise to this movie. If you think about the original 
movie. It's just, let's have a competition to see who's number one. Yeah. But let's happen to have a dogfight too. Like, they actually have an enemy to fight in that movie, like happenstance. Versus this one is like, I mean, Amir, it's an actual jo- mission. Yeah. yeah, you joked about it before we even recorded, but like, it's like almost like a Mission Impossible or like Fast and the Furious movie, right? It's like, let's set up this goal. Yeah, the heist or like, the mission. Yeah, yeah with yeah, the heist exactly. or mission, we, we see it train and like, of course, it never goes as planned. And, you know, that's where the climax comes or like the turn at the end, right? But yeah, I like that they kind of set up this goal for them, right? This mission. Mm-hmm. And it made more sense, I think, than just. Training uh, who, exercises. Who's number in the one? Yeah, who's yeah, number yeah, one? Exactly. <laughs> Huge improvement. Because I, I do like the, the point in the movie where Tom Cruise is basically like, if someone's got to do it, I guess it's got to be me. And I think yeah. that's one of the best sequences in the movie when, like, you know, all the other cadets, they're not hacking it, right? They're not making the time that they need to. Mm-hmm. Like, they have to get from point A to point B in a certain amount of time. And, like, they're all not making it. They all believe that they can't make it until Tom Cruise is basically like, fuck, man, I'll do it. And he does it. It's a great sequence because... I mean, it's basically a Death Star run, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a Death Star run. <laughs> but, like, the odds are just absurd. All right. So, like, this movie is basically all these pilots up against these absurd odds. It's such like an 80s callback, too. It's so bare bones. It's like this nameless enemy, and they have this new uranium enrichment plant, I think. Is that what uh-huh. it is? Yeah, and, like, they like they got to <laughs> blow it up before it becomes operational. That's the entire thing. And like mm-hmm. they got to navigate under the enemy's radar, so they got to like fly through the canyons and then climb up into the valley to like blow up their uranium enrichment plant it's got like the target that's like 10 feet wide or something and they gotta use the missiles and they gotta do like this insane climb out of the valley Mm -hmm. um and there are all these like surface to air missiles and stuff it's like a super bare bones like simple plot but it works and i love the way they describe the mission where they're like you have to perform two miracles right yeah Yeah, miracle number one you have to hit the grate with the missile. And then miracle number two, you actually have to send the missile inside the grate. That's such a great way to like describe what you mm-hmm. like how hard it this is gonna be for them. Just calling them miracles. Like I know. It's good. It's good. You're right. It's so simple, but so effective the way they explain it, the way they show it, the way they train for it. Mm-hmm. You know what's gonna happen, right? Like yes. it's yeah. no surprise that they succeed, right? It's that's not the point. The point is how they get to that point. And, of course, there are the surprises and, like, how they deal with that. So this is yeah. why the end sequence did feel just slightly overstretched to me or a little anticlimactic. Because the fun part is that they've laid out the mission and the training process to get there and all the emotional beats and all that. By the time they're ready to suit up for the mission, you're like, all right, this is over, right? Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, you're already almost there even though you haven't actually seen the actual climax. But, like, while they're flying the mission, I was, like, still on the edge of my seat. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know? It's not like it's boring yeah. or anything. Don't get me wrong yeah, at yeah, all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not at all what I'm saying. It's still riveting. It was just, uh, you know, I did feel it a little. I think it's maybe due to what you were saying, Derek. Because those odds are nuts, though, right? Because, like, when you're watching, like, the mission unfold, like, hearing Tom Cruise talking about the odds is different than, like, actually seeing it, right? Because they got to pull out of the valley. And then, like, once they pull out, hit all those Gs that are hitting them, like, right in the face. And then, like, as soon as they get out of the valley, the surface-to-air missiles activate going after them, and they gotta, like, use the chaff to, like, Mm -hmm. redirect the missiles and stuff. It's really tense, actually. It is. It is. It's it's, it's good. And the action's, like, so well shot. Like, I was never lost. At all, yeah. For a second. Super clear. Yeah. Yeah. 
like the geography is super clear. Yeah, it's just, everything's so concise and crystal. So what I was going to say, though, is like I kind of agree with Amir. And I found them separating out Tom Cruise and Miles Teller at the end a little bit strange because I was convinced that they were going to have to have a dogfight at the end with like them four versus two of the... Because they keep hyping up these Generation 5 mm-hmm. jet planes as like far superior to even their four regular what is right, it right, F-18s right. or whatever uh-huh. that they are flying. Miles Teller character keeps saying like, yes, they're more superior, but it's about the person, the pilot pilot versus the the machine, right? So I thought they were going to actually have a dogfight because there's also like a training montage, Tom Cruise versus them, right? Where they learn how to like try to shoot Tom Cruise down, also try to avoid Tom Cruise. All that doesn't really come into play because it's just Tom Cruise versus the two planes, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. So like, I don't know. I see why they did it again, you know, trying to put them in the same plane so that they have to like work together but there's mixed messages i think in the way they've kind of set up the training and then what happens at the end uh, i was fully expecting one thing but got another but still satisfied still satisfied but a huge spoiler alert no one dies in this movie <laughs> well right? someone like, dies just the, not well, not in the, the plane <laughs> yeah <laughs> none none of the main top gun crew they die right? yeah none of them nope. die so i feel like to have the dog fights would kind of undermine that because then like you're really stretching the credibility of the movie where like mm, just no true. one dies mm-hmm. especially when after like you've already had to like perform these two miracles to take out those uranium plant and to have like a dogfight and for everyone to live i mean i guess the thing would be to like kill someone off right but like they didn't do that and i kind of appreciate that um i was kind of flip-flopping i was like is that toothless or is it kind of refreshing to not have anyone die but I mean, Tom Cruise almost dies twice in this he movie. Almost he almost dies twice. But he still gets saved, right? Both times. Um, no, I just want to say, like, I agree with uh, you, Jeff. Like, you don't need a grim and gritty Top Gun remake right. that does plot twists and ends in an unsatisfying way. Sometimes you just want some satisfying junk food, and that's what this was. It was just like a perfect yeah. – it's, it's like a fucking perfect McDonald's burger when that's exactly what you wanted. Yeah. It just a hundred percent completely hits the fucking spot. Delicious, great analogy. What did you guys think of Jennifer Connelly? She was fine. Really, I thought she was great. Like I thought she was the one that made that relationship believable. You know what I mean? Like this is like another conversation where like is Tom Cruise a sex symbol anymore? I'm not too sure. But I mean, if you're going to give him like an emotional story where he actually has like a relationship and he has to think about growing and and settling down. I, I think a lot of the Jennifer Connelly character or Jennifer Connelly as an actress is like it's it's thrusted upon her and like I thought she was great. She was good. I liked her. Yeah. Uh, I think the romance is a little undercooked, but that's what it's a little undercooked. But I agree with Derek. I thought she sold it. I thought the fact that they imply that there's all this history there kind of lets you do all the filling in yourself, right? Do all the work yourself. So it's like, all right, they're not actually showing it to me on screen, but you know what? I buy that these are two people who have a deep-seated connection in the past, and that's led naturally to this. And you believe it. And I just think that, that they're like, there's really no other way to say that they're just both, like you were asking, is Tom Cruise still a sex symbol? I think mm-hmm. they're just both really, really good looking. And so just to see them together as a couple was really cute. I liked it. I don't know. It's just something I completely buy. Like, I like that she's, it's not like this random person who's been pining for Tom Cruise. She got married. She had a kid. She has her own life. And, uh, you know, I don't know. He keeps coming back around and eventually gets it right i don't know i i I liked i liked her character i liked that relationship i agree it's undercooked but it's slight but i think it did everything right 
And they really toned down some of the more, like, uh, rough edges around Tom Cruise's character from the original one. In the original one, if you don't remember, he's kind of like a fucking sex pest. Wait, what? He, like, invades the woman's bathroom to talk mm-hmm. to Kelly McGillis's character and stuff. He's, like, borderline, like, <laughs> harassing her, you know? And I, I think they toned this down. This movie is definitely a lot more chaste than the first one, too. It looks like they're going to do, like, the sex scene montage. But it's just, like, these fadeaways to them talking on the couch, which I thought was fucking hilarious, by the way. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was really funny. I, I I don't know if that was intentional or not, but I, I laughed out loud yeah. when they did that. It was it was fun. Are you talking about where, like, she leaves the door open? And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The yeah, next yeah, thing yeah. is just yeah. they're laying in bed and they're talking. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, there's absolutely no sex in this movie. Yeah. Just the, you know, implying, I guess, that they had sex, but... To talk more about, like, legacy characters, even though Jennifer Connelly isn't really one. She's mentioned in the original, but she's not in it. I loved what they did with Val Kilmer in this, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think what they did was very respectful, and it was very touching, actually. You know, because yeah. Val Kilmer, he's been battling, like, throat cancer, and uh, I think he's okay now, but he can't, like, really speak anymore. He's got the prosthetic windpipe or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think what they did with that character was great. To be completely honest, I was very worried about that. Like, I knew... I was, I, too. I, I was all too. the hardships kind of he's had over the last couple of years. And, like, I was like, the last thing he needs is this movie come and be like, hey, can you just be in our movie? But to find out that, you know, like, I think it was mutual. Like, this is something that I think he wanted. And I, I agree with you. It's it's a really tender scene. I think it's a great scene. Like, mm-hmm. I love them hugging. Like, to find that their characters in the end actually did become, like, really good friends. And Iceman has been, like, looking out for him all yeah, these yeah, years. Yeah. I think all of that really works, and it's just so tender and so sweet. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know about Val Kimmer's struggle, you know, before going to this movie. Until, I guess, a couple of days ago, I think I'd heard that he was in the movie, and I looked him up, and I found that that's what was going on. So it's really cool they incorporated that. And he actually, far from being forced into it, he, he campaigned for the role actively, is what I understand. Yeah. I think on Facebook, he was saying he wanted to do it, and Tom Cruise was very supportive of it and brought him in. And I thought, yeah, it was a, it was a great tribute to him, and uh, I thought it was really cool how they incorporated his real life struggle with this illness uh, into the movie so yeah i agree with you guys that that was excellent have you guys heard kaczynski's story about how this movie got greenlit no no he tells a story on interviews and he was approached by brockheimer to like potentially reboot this franchise or like to do the sequel you know they've been talking about it for a while and he came up with the idea about rooster like the rooster character and, and creating that relationship between him and the pete character and then also what they would actually do with like tom cruise's character and I guess he had to pitch it to Tom Cruise. They say he had to fly to Paris, meet Tom Cruise for like a half hour meeting. And my only thing is like, probably he was filming Mission Impossible. Like, I can't imagine that he was filming anything else. But he pitched it. And then apparently Tom Cruise during that meeting calls up Paramount. It's like, hey, we're going to make Top Gun Maverick. And this is who's going to direct it. And that was it. The guy mm. just has so much cachet and like how much weight he has with like paramount they just like yeah we're gonna make this movie okay and i'm gonna make you probably a billion dollars with it because of it you know what i mean yeah as much as we talked about the scientology of it all and like some of the drama that comes with his life there's so many other great stories tom cruise does seem like a pretty cool guy yeah when he believes in you he believes in you right and like his belief in this director his other actors but also you know val kilmer like just this movie alone there's great stories and i'm pretty sure there's way more out there for his Mm -hmm. his other co-stars yeah wasn't Tony Scott originally going to direct, though? What's the deal with that? Tony Scott was supposed to direct Top Gun Maverick? Uh-huh. 
Uh, maybe like in the very early stages because he died in 2012. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been dead for a long time, but I thought, yeah, I thought that they've been talking like, about Top Gun Maverick since 2010, I think, when it wasn't even called Top Gun Maverick. But yeah, I think Tony Scott was originally supposed to direct it. I could see that. Speaking of Tony Scott, I think it's funny that he would probably be really happy with how 2022's turning out, you know, with Ambulance, which is, which definitely feels like a Tony Scott movie. You know? <laughs> now, Top Gun Maverick being such a big hit, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, speaking of the cast, I think all the recruits are great. Some of them get more to do than others. Yeah. I think Glenn Powell's a standout. I really like Miles Teller in this, too. Yes. Um, I think they were all great. Glenn Powell's Hangman? Yeah, Hangman. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, he's yeah. sort of the Iceman, too, the new sort of cocky uh, cocky antagonist or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Iceman um, 2.0. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a bunch of them don't get very much to do. Like, actually, two of the guys on the mission, I, I don't think they made any impression at all. Uh what, uh, the two guys who are, what, Fanboy and, uh, what was the other guy's name? Payback. Fanboy and Payback. Fanboy and Payback, yeah. yeah they yeah, made, yeah, like, yeah. no impression. Yeah, even though they're the ones, like, chosen, right? The yeah, other they're chosen, exactly. Chosen. Yeah. You get more on, like, Coyote, who's not chosen, the guy who blacks out. So, we haven't talked about this yet, right? Like, so, the actual actors are, like, in actual planes, right? Not just mm-hmm. Tom Cruise. Like, we've talked- Yeah, they're actually in planes. ...about, like, Tom Cruise always, like, being the one who's doing his own stunts and, like- he, I believe, flies his own plane, but mm-hmm. and the other actors don't. But they're actually in planes, right? Like they, yeah. it's not like this makeup plane that's on a set and they have to look over here and look over there. It, like they're actually in planes. They're actually in the air. Yeah, they're actually in the air. So like you know, when they're feeling those G's, I'm, I'm guessing they're not feeling like nine G's, but they're feeling Definitely G's, not. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like feeling G's, right? So like it's all so palpable and like it's so great to see like the actual actors in the air. And this is absolutely not true, but I just want to believe that that character actually fainted and Tom Cruise is probably just like, just let the cameras roll a little bit more so that we get some of that suspense and get some of that real shit going on. But that's what just adds like another level to this movie. You can't fake that, like how you act when like you're pulling some G's. You can't do that when you're in front of a blue screen in like a fake cockpit or whatever. It's just not as believable. I think Glenn Powell has been going around telling this great story about how he had a throw up bag. (laughs) <laughs> in his lap or under his seat and right before his take he had to throw up after like flying the plane or being in the plane doing a scene and then they would be like you okay all right action and then he had to do another scene after he just threw up like that's so crazy that's nuts that's crazy that's awesome yeah no it's so cool i'm not usually a big like oh the cg is so bad everything has to be analog guy but Seeing this, I feel like now I'm a new convert. Now you're one of those guys. <laughs> yeah, like you know why? Is because seeing the CG of the missiles. Mm. There's a missile launch in the movie where the Americans uh, blow up this unnamed airfield or whatever, right? Yeah, and yeah, that yeah. just looked so fake. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. That I was like, holy shit! The rest of the movie looks so good. I was like, is this what everybody else is seeing all the time? <laughs> like, like this is such a such a stark contrast. Um, it really yeah, did, it really yeah, did blow yeah. me away. But um, the other thing I was thinking about in those – the whole pulling G's thing, I, I couldn't stop thinking about The Expanse. Oh, yeah. It's a science fiction show where uh, there's no way to go faster than light. So um, everybody's got to accelerate. It uses the idea of real physics. So you can only accelerate so much before you start doing damage to the body, just like in Top Gun. And in that show, yeah. I guess they have like these IV drugs that they shoot into your body so you can survive the forces. I was just thinking, like, man, those guys need that. <laughs> in that show, like, you can, like, stroke out and just die, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how that is. Yeah, that's um, awesome. That show's cool. I liked Monica Barbaro as uh, Phoenix. She was good. 
People are saying Glenn Powell should beat Johnny Cage in the new Mortal Kombat. I agree. That's, oh, that's pretty shit. good. Ooh, that would be pretty good. <laughs> that is or, pretty good, Johnny Cage. Uh, I wouldn't mind that. Or Human Torch in the Fantastic Four. Human Torch would be also good. <laughs> I mean, everyone got jacked for their beach uh, football scene, so. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, see him not as shows. homoerotic as the first one. Yeah, just disappointingly uh, less. <laughs> disappointingly. <laughs> it's going to be less iconic, right? <laughs> they just needed to find a reason for John Hamm to take off his shirt during that scene too, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they should have just found some reasons. Like, hey, why don't you join us? An excuse for that. <laughs> I like how they got Ed Harris and John Hamm, and their roles are pretty, like, thankless, I feel. Yeah. Uh, John Hamm is just, like, the stick-in-the-mud admiral who's always dressing down Tom Cruise, and then Ed Harris is the other guy who's the head of, like, the the experimental plane program, you know? That sequence is phenomenal, too. The opening sequence yeah, where so he's good. testing the uh, supersonic plane. When that shit flies yeah, over so Ed good. Harris and you see the roof of that Dude, building, like, come that up is and then crazy. go to... So good. Yeah, so I good. was like, damn. Yeah, he's standing there, and then, like, it blows the roof mm-hmm. off the, the house he's next to. It's such a great shot. Yeah, it rocks. Yeah, thankless, although John Hamm had a little bit of a face turn at the end, right? Or in the middle, right? Where he's like, you know, I can, uh, I could fire you or whatever, or I could let you leave the team. Just to go back to the Ed Harris thing, though, let's actually call Ed Harris who he is. And that's like Netflix, right? It's basically the new age of things is going to be everything's going to be on streaming. Everything is going to not be in theaters anymore. And then you have Tom Cruise here standing there being like, Fuck you, Netflix. We're going to create a movie that only can be shown in theaters. And that's exactly what I feel like one of the metaphors coming out of this movie is. Is just, we get it. Movie theaters are kind of at a low and maybe it's a dying thing, but Tom Cruise is never going to let it die as long as he can fight it, right? And that's exactly what he's yeah. doing. It's a metaphor I've seen a lot of people talking about the movie talk about, right? The drones is this new, you know... Uh, Netflix, CGI, whatever, monstrosities. And then you got Tom Cruise fighting the good fight. I alluded to it earlier, and I do kind of want to talk about it a little bit, but like this idea of where I think Tom Cruise is potentially going with his career. There have been discussions like, what is Tom Cruise going to be doing, you know, in the next, what, 10, 20, 30 years of his career, right? Like, he is getting a little bit older. I mean, I remember, what was it, Fallout was delayed for, like, a whole year because he, like, basically broke his ankle, right? Because he yeah. all had the stunts and, like, like, how long can he really be doing these, like, action-heavy movies? And I was quite surprised and, honestly, one of the things that really works for me in this movie is his dramatic turn right the stuff with penny but also specifically the stuff with the miles teller rooster character right like Mm -hmm. the reconciliation he has with that character like having to come to terms with like he was there when rooster's dad died not being there in this kid's life as much as probably he would want to and like he himself trying to say like i wanted to be the father and like I don't remember the last time Tom Cruise cried in a movie. Mm. When's the last time you guys remember seeing Tom Cruise cry in a movie? Yeah. I think this is maybe the template moving forward where, like, I'm really hoping that he starts doing more dramatic roles again and not just purely action. Because, like, I don't actually remember the last time he did a, like, just pure dramatic role. Yeah, he's a good dramatic actor. Mm -hmm. Some of the things that he's done, like, Eyes Wide Shut is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. That's not like an action movie. I, I really like that one. I mean, like the quiet moments with uh, Val Kilmer in this works too. Mm-hmm. He's a great dramatic actor too. So 
maybe late phase Tom Cruise is going to be more dramatic stuff. I'm super into that too. That's fine. I just I love what he's doing right now so much. I'm not like eager I don't to think about that. I'm not, right yeah, now. I'm, not <laughs> eager, I'm not eager to see him switch gears to a dramatic career. You know, like we have plenty of people who That's are good true. at that. That's fair. Like he's, that is he's, fair. He's doing right now. The best stuff he's ever – I don't know maybe about the best stuff he's ever done. But he's hes having quite a run right now of fun action stuff. I don't really want to see him quit until it's over. That's true. And I, I mean they are going to be doing a, a – what's it called? The Edge of Tomorrow sequel, right? I, so oh, I didn't like, know that. Cool. Yeah. So I, I'm pretty sure we're going to get still some more action. But we haven't really seen him do like a really great dramatic role in like a really long time. And I remember him being also a really great dramatic actor and like – I, I would just love him to do more of that again. Have you guys seen American Made? That one's good too. Is it? Uh, no, I haven't. Don't think I have. But that, and that that's like more dramatic, right? Yeah, that's more dramatic. I mean, there's some action beats in that too, but it's about like this TWA pilot who flew missions for the CIA. Mm-hmm. And then he like becomes this drug smuggler for the Median cartel in the 1980s. It's like a, based on a real person. Um, his name is Barry Seal. But he was great in that movie. He's so good in that. It's like, He's very charming, you know? Mm-hmm. I agree with you, Amir. I, I, if he wants to keep playing Ethan Hunt, I'm totally fine with it. But I would love to see a little bit more balance out of his career. Just a little bit. Uh, speaking of Tom Cruise performances, uh, one of my favorite ones is Tropic Thunder. I want to see more stuff like that, too. Yes. <laughs> yeah, comedy. Where he plays the totally movie down. executive. Uh, yeah. <laughs> really funny performance there. You don't want more Rock of Ages, Stacey Jacks performances? I don't mind that performance in that movie. I have a soft spot for that movie. It's not terrible. But, yeah, I mean, no one's doing it like him. Just training all these younger generation of actors to fly in these planes. Like, I mean, they're not flying, flying, but, like, um, they're actually in the planes. And he's telling them, like, the direction for the camera work and stuff. Because, like, when you're in that plane with the pilot, no one's doing the camera work. You have to do it yourself. So he's teaching all these actors, you know, like Miles Teller, Glenn Powell, Monica Barbaro, like cinematography and like where to place the camera so the shot looks the best and like which angles to get, you know? They had to learn that on the fly, literally, right? So that's super impressive to me. I think that's so cool. Yeah, it's it's interesting because like, I know recently it's been reported there's 800 hours of footage for this movie or something like that, right? Wow. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because like that interview I, I listened with Kaczynski, he talks about the process of filming, the flight scenes at least, right? Where yeah. they would brief what you were going to shoot that day for like about two hours, go up and shoot for about two hours, and then come down and debrief for like an hour, right? And then like mm-hmm. if they'd have to reshoot, they would do another cycle or they would do it the next day. And out of those two hours, he says, like, they maybe use, like, two to three minutes of it. So, it's like, right. that's exactly why there's 800 hours of footage. Release the Kosinski cut. <laughs> <laughs> I'll watch the 800-hour cut of Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> and 100 hours of it is just Glenn Powell throwing up in a, in a bag. <laughs> yeah, it's just super fascinating, this, this movie, like, the way they filmed it and, like, all the stuff you were describing, Jeff, about, like, the actual actors having the no sun angles and, like, cinematography and stuff like that's just all really cool and like uh i mean yeah. i would have loved to have been an actor on this film right uh is there anything else you guys want to bring up i think that's it i mean this movie is such a breath of fresh air like i had a blast with this movie i can't wait to see it again on saturday the <laughs> funny thing is i think i'm gonna go see it again this weekend too so i'm excited yeah <laughs> There you go. I wasn't planning on seeing it again, but I don't know. You guys might have convinced yeah. me. <laughs> Stay tuned for next week's episode where we review it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> but uh, I guess if that is all, that will conclude this week's episode. Uh, Jeff, where can people find more of your work? Uh, you can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com where I reviewed Top Gun Maverick. And you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Strange Harbors. What about you guys? You can find me performing two miracles in a row by properly parallel parking. <laughs> what about you, Derek? <laughs> <laughs> you can find me at The World's OKest Photos and Screen Agents Guild on Instagram. But if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the other popular podcast apps. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please do us a favor and give us a great star rating. It really helps to get our podcast out to more people. Yeah, and if you have any questions, comments, suggestions on our episode on Top Gun Maverick, feel free to shoot us an email at jeff at strangeharbors.com. We like getting listener mail. Sometimes we read it on the pod. So feel free to do that, and we will see you guys next week. See you next week, everybody. See you guys then.